Chapter Seven of the Little Colonel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. The Little Colonel by Annie Fellows Johnston. Chapter Seven. That early twilight hour just before the lamps were lit was the lonesomest one the Little Colonel had ever spent. Her grandfather was asleep upstairs. There was a cheery wood fire crackling on the hearth of the big fireplace in the hall, but the great house was so still. The corners were full of shadows. She opened the front door with a wild longing to run away. Come, Fritz, she said, closing the door softly behind her. Let's go down to the gate. The air was cold. She shivered as they raced along under the bare branches of the locusts. She leaned against the gate, peering out through the bars. The road stretched white through the gathering darkness in the direction of the little cottage. Oh, I want to go home so bad, she sobbed. I want to see my mother. She laid her hand irresolutely on the latch and pushed the gate ajar, and then hesitated. No, I promised the doctor I'd stay, she thought. He said I could help Mother and Papa Jack, both of them, by staying here, and I'll do it. Fritz, who had pushed himself through the partly open gate to wrestle around among the dead leaves outside, came bounding back with something in his mouth. Here, sir, she called. Give it to me. He dropped a small gray kid glove in her outstretched hand. Oh, it's Mother's, she cried. I reckon she dropped it when she was telling me good-bye. Oh, you dear old dog for finding it. She laid the glove against her cheek as fondly as if it had been her mother's soft hand. There was something wonderfully comforting in this touch. As they walked slowly back towards the house, she rolled it up and put it lovingly away in her tiny apron pocket. All that week it was a talisman whose touch helped the homesick little soul to be brave and womanly. When Maria, the colored housekeeper, went into the hall to light the lamps, the little colonel was sitting on the big fur rug in front of the fire, talking contentedly to Fritz, who lay with his curly head in her lap. "'You all's going to have tea in the colonel's room tonight,' said Maria. "'He told me to tote it up soon as he rung the bell.' "'There it goes now,' cried the child, jumping up from the rug. She followed Maria up the wide stairs. The colonel was sitting in a large easy chair, wrapped in a gaily flowered dressing gown that made his hair look unusually white by contrast. His dark eyes were intently watching the door. As it opened to let the little colonel pass through, a very tender smile lighted up his stern face. "'So you did come to see Grandpa, after all,' he cried triumphantly. "'Come here and give me a kiss. Seems to me you've been staying away a mighty long time.' As she stood beside him with his arm around her, Walker came in with a tray full of dishes. "'We're going to have a regular little tea-party,' said the colonel. Lloyd washed with sparkling eyes as Walker set out the rare old-fashioned dishes. There was a fat little silver sugar-bowl with a butterfly perched on each side to form the handles, and there was a slim, graceful cream pitcher shaped like a lily. "'They belong to your great-great-grandmother,' said the colonel, "'and they're going to be yours some day if you grow up and have a house of your own.' The expression on her beaming face was worth a fortune to the colonel. When Walker pushed her chair up to the table, she turned to her grandfather with shining eyes. "'Oh, it's just like a pink story,' she cried, clapping her hands. "'The shades on the candles, the icing on the cake, and the posies in the bowl. Why, even the jelly is that color, too.' "'Oh, my darling little teacup! It's just like a pink rosebud. I'm so glad I came.' The colonel smiled at the success of his plan. In the depths of his satisfaction, he even had a plate of quail and toast set down on the hearth for Fritz. "'This is the nicest party I ever was at,' remarked the little colonel, as Walker helped her to jam the third time. Her grandfather chuckled. "'Blackberry jam always makes me think of Tom,' he said. 
did you ever hear what your uncle tom did when he was a little fellow in dresses she shook her head gravely well the children were all playing hide-and-seek one day they hunted high and they hunted low after everybody else had been caught but they couldn't find tom at last they began to call home free you can come home free but he did not come when he had been hidden so long they were frightened about him they went to their mother and told her he wasn't to be found anywhere she looked down the well and behind the fireboards in the fireplaces they called and called till they were out of breath finally she thought of looking in the big dark pantry where she kept her fruit there stood mr tom he had opened a jar of blackberry jam and was going for it with both hands the jam was all over his face and hands and little gingham apron and even up his wrist he was the funniest sight i ever saw the little colonel laughed heartily at his description and begged for more stories before he knew it he was back in the past with his little tom and elizabeth nothing could have entertained the child more than these scenes he recalled of her mother's childhood all her old playthings were up in the garret he said as they rose from the table i'll have them brought down to-morrow there's a doll i brought her from new orleans once when she was about your size no telling what it looks like now but it was a beauty when it was new lloyd clapped her hands and spun around the room like a top oh i'm so glad i came she exclaimed for the third time what did she call the dog grandfather do you remember i never paid much attention to such things he answered but i do remember the name of this one because she named it for her mother amanthus amanthus repeated the child dreamily as she leaned against his knee i think that is a lovely name grandfather i wish they had called me that she repeated it softly several times it sounds like the wind a-blowin' through the white clover doesn't it it is a beautiful name to me my child answered the old man laying his hand tenderly on her soft hair but not so beautiful as the woman who bore it she was the fairest flower of all kentucky there never was another lived as sweet and gentle as your grandmother amanthus he stroked her hair absently and gazed into the fire he scarcely noticed when she slipped away from him she buried her face a moment in the bowl of pink roses then she went to the window and drew back the curtain leaning her head against the window-sill she began stringing on the thread of a tune the things that just then thrilled her with a sense of their beauty oh the locust trees are blowin', she sang softly and the moon a-shinin' through them and the starlight and pink roses and amanthus and amanthus she hummed it over and over until walker had finished carrying the dishes away it was a strange thing that the colonel's unfrequent moods of tenderness were like those warm days that they call weather breathers they were sure to be followed by a change of atmosphere this time as the fierce rheumatic pain came back he stormed at walker and scolded him for everything he did and everything he left undone when maria came up to put lloyd to bed fritz was tearing around the room barking at his shadow put that dog out maria roared the colonel almost as crazy with its antics take it downstairs and put it out of the house i say nobody but a heathen would let a dog sleep in the house anyway the homesick feeling began to creep over lloyd again she had expected to keep fritz in her room at night for company but for the touch of the little glove in her pocket she would have said something ugly to her grandfather when he spoke so harshly his own ill-humor was reflected in her scowl as she followed maria down the stairs to drive fritz out into the dark they stood a moment in the open door after maria had slapped him with her apron to make him go off the porch oh look at the new moon cried lloyd pointing to the slender crescent in the autumn sky i was feared to honey answered maria lest i should see it through the trees that would bring me bad luck for a month sure i'll go out on the lawn where it's open and look at it over my right shoulder 
while they were walking backward down the path intent on reaching a place where they could have an uninterrupted view of the moon fritz sneaked around to the other end of the porch no one was watching he slipped into the house as noiselessly as his four soft feet could carry him maria going through the dark upper hall with a candle held high above her head and lloyd clinging to her skirts did not see a tasseled tail swinging along in front of her it disappeared under the big bed when she led lloyd into the room next to the old colonel's the child felt very sober while she was being put to bed the furniture was heavy and dark an ugly portrait of a cross old man in a wig frowned at her from over the mantel the dancing firelight made his eyes frightfully lifelike the bed was so high she had to climb on a chair to get in she heard maria's heavy feet go shuffling down the stairs a door banged then it was so still she could hear the clock tick in the next room it was the first time in all her life that her mother had not come to kiss her good night the lips quivered and a big tear rolled down on the pillow she reached out to the chair beside her bed where her clothes were hanging and felt in her apron pocket for the little glove she sat up in bed and looked at it in the dim firelight then she held it against her face oh i want my mother i want my mother she sobbed in a heartbroken whisper laying her head on her knees she began to cry quietly but with great sobs that nearly choked her there was a rustling under the bed she lifted her wet face in alarm then she smiled through her tears for there was fritz her own dear dog and not an unknown horror waiting to grab her he stood on his hind legs eagerly trying to lap away her tears with his friendly red tongue she clasped him in her arms with an ecstatic hug oh you're such a comfort she whispered i can go to sleep now she spread her apron on the bed and motioned him to jump. With one spring he was beside her. It was nearly midnight when the door from the colonel's room was noiselessly opened. The old man stirred the fire gently until it burst into a bright flame. Then he turned to the bed. You rascal, he whispered, looking at Fritz, who raised his head quickly with a threatening look in his wicked eyes. Lloyd lay with one hand stretched out, holding the dog's protecting paw. The other held something against her tear-stained cheek what under the sun he thought as he drew it gently from her fingers the little glove lay across his hand slim and aristocratic looking he knew instinctively whose it was poor little thing's been crying he thought she wants elizabeth and so do i and so do i his heart cried out with bitter longing it's never been like home since she left he laid the glove back on her pillow and went to his room if jack sherman should die he said to himself many times that night then she would come home again. Oh, little daughter, little daughter, why did you ever leave me? End of chapter 7 Recording by Maria Therese